0: Where do writers find inspiration? How do you write what really matters to you? I'm joined by Corne van Royen and Matthew Khalil on the Three Wells Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host and film critic Spling. In this episode, we'll discuss the ins and outs of screenwriting with our renowned guest through the lens of Matthew's book, The Three Wells of Screenwriting. We hope that by taking this journey with us, you'll never be stuck again. Corne van Royen is a multi-talented and versatile writer, director, and producer who has written and directed feature films, television, and a number of short films and commercials. Having studied and taught directing and screenwriting at AFTA, van Royen has amassed more than a decade's worth of experience writing and directing for screen. Co-owner of production company Red Lesser Day Pictures, he has directed films such as Sekling Swiss Lenta and Sisters and has written, produced, and directed South African films Hollywood and Maëse, and Vasilinki. Matthew Khalil is an author, lecturer, and screenwriter with over 20 years of experience in directing, editing, and writing for film. The versatile and influential writer has continued to sharpen his craft through script editing, acting, and coaching the filmmakers of tomorrow. His inspirational and empowering new book, The Three Wells of Screenwriting, offers a fresh perspective and cross section of his broad and deep understanding of film when it comes to the writing process. Over to you, Matthew.
1: Thanks, Bing. Welcome, Corneille. Yeah, thanks. It's amazing to be here. Cool. So, I've known Corneille for many years now, actually, since Corneille was a student. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Matthew was my lecturer at AFTA directing, acting, and writing lecture. And you are the prime example of the screenwriter of tomorrow
0: (laughs) because here you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I've also known Corneille for another reason, and I'm going to see if you can guess what the sound is very soft,
2: eh? soft you Hang need to, to include a grind in it okay no so if you if, if they know <laughs> what, 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 what candle wax and curb has in common Oh, ah, very then good. I don't know what that so is. So, Cornet,
1: basically, skate or die used to be our motto at some point when yeah. I was having a midlife crisis. Yeah, shut and up and skate. <laughs> and <laughs> Cornet was my student, and uh, he was kind of inspiring me to get back into skateboarding, and then I fell really badly. Yeah, your, your, and uh, now he got a new skateboard again. Yeah, yeah, many, many years later. But, yeah, besides that, Cornet has always been one of those students who, like, I never thought he was a student. He was always just very creative, very imaginative. He's got a really unique voice in his script writing. And so, yeah, I'm really happy to have you here after all these years.
2: Yeah, nice to hear those things. <laughs> <laughs> thanks.
1: <laughs> so, might as well start with like listening to a promo of Corne's film, Vasilinki, yes. which I must admit I haven't seen, but Corne hasn't read my book, so we kind of okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a pirate
2: copy somewhere. I'll, I'll give, I can pirate my own movies. Good, good, cool. I, I, well, I've thing. given you a copy of my book now, yeah, so it's thanks. only fair. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool,
1: I'll so wait. let's listen to this trailer and then... Uh,
2: the mm-hmm. two dames of the years. I see you stay with your mother. Do you know your
0: mother
2: is? She okay. is only an obese and obese. And that's it. This building different that all look the same. Ik to go to bed Skiller, was a little a girl with a little
0: bit of a brown. I was a little bit of a a little bit of a a little
2: bit of a a little
1: bit It's a little bit a girl with a little bit of How is it? Axe, Texan. I what Texan as I'm Jou maar sy liefde is wat jy nodig het, en jy weer is genoeg. En sy so is jy elke dag wees, want jy is perfect, want God maak jy fouten nie. Dan kom jy achter, sy is toch verkeerd. Jy is nie speciaal nie. Sy so word nie daar nie. Nerends nie. Met jou het God een fout gemaakt. Cool. That sounds really dramatic. I love it. For those of you who are not <laughs> South African listening to this, that's Afrikaans, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is the language that Cornet's movies often are in. What did it feel like to listen to that again?
2: Yeah, this was two years ago, and I think this was the movie that, I don't know, it's, it's a movie that breaks your heart the the hardest. Mm. You know, I put everything that I had into this film, and, and then you try and shake it off, you just... To try and get into a new project and, uh, I mean, listen to now again because i tried to get it away from me for for the last two years. (laughs) Kind of brings back a lot of emotions and, yeah, you have to fight so hard to just maintain the voice of the film in my own voice. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest thing, I think, when you have a film that is trying to have its own unique voice. No one will understand your voice except yourself. And you're going to be the only one having to fight for it. And that was this journey of this film. I had to keep on fighting for this voice. And everyone else is like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what are you doing? This is not going to make the money that, you know, they thought they were going to make. And we actually did the second highest grossing film of last year. Wow, Like that's amazing! Not uh, South African film. The Sommies was first, but you can't beat them. It's <laughs> <laughs> very cool, though. You know, I think
1: when I'm watching the trailer, actually, I can see your voice come through immediately, even in the trailer. And I'm, I've known you for a long time. So, what I find really fascinating about this, and maybe we can talk about this a bit, is so it was based on a book, I think. It was an adapt- adaptation, adaptation from the book. Yeah. So in terms of the three worlds of screenwriting, that's like an external source as well. It's another thing. Mm. But still, you as writer and director, what was it like for you to take some of your own memories and put them into that external sources? Did that sort of happen? What was the creative process of adaptation? How did you get your voice into someone else's voice?
2: You always have to, when you, when you adapt something, you've got to look on where do you relate and what do you so passionately feel connected to? And for me, it was always about why am I put onto this earth? What's my purpose here? And for me, that was the whole journey of this film and this book is, did God make a mistake with you or not? That was this character's question that she asked. Why am I here? And of course, she's not sure. She was raised by brown grandparents and she's white, but she's not sure if she's white or brown or, you know, where does she fit into this world? And then she ends up in the orphanage where she feels like God has made a mistake with everyone else. But the grandmother always tells this little kid, this little daughter that, She asked him, why am I lighter than you? And and the grandmother said, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. You must just accept it. So for me, this... Whole journey of the book and the script and the movie was about your purpose in life, and I love stories where people come of age. And for me, this was the coming of age of discovering that you have a purpose on this earth, but not realizing what that purpose is yet.
1: Yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. Just looking at you now, when when Cornet is talking about this, he's he's looking like he's really been on a journey here of self-discovery through writing, <laughs> yeah, through doing this. That's fault. what I'm
2: saying. It, 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 you go quite deep into this, and then. It's inside of you for so long, and when you have to see the film and deal with actually what you've shot and created, you've been confronted with a lot of things to maybe try and, you know, you doubt your voice. Is this what you, you wanted to say at the end? But you've got to keep believing that one thing that you believed in in the book, that comes out. Wow. Because if you don't have that, it's going to, you know, it's going to be tough.
1: So when you read the book, was there something in the book that sort of resonated with you, Cornet?
2: The moment I finished film school, I read the book. And I realized I would love to tell a story like this one day, but I was afraid to tell a story that dealing with so many relevant things at the moment, South it's Africa, and it's, it's quite hardcore. It's race and it's prostitution and it's drugs and abuse and all that. And I felt like I needed more experience to tell the story. But the story again, it was, why am I making movies? I make movies because I want to have a purpose in this life. And this book felt like that purpose. Wow. So it was a lot of things that I put onto this movie Mm. (laughs) myself. I put a hell of a lot of faith into making this film. Yeah, that was in the beginning what attracted me to it.
1: Cool. So it it seems almost like this was one of those films It wasn't just a film. It was a bit of a calling. And I talk in the book also about how you know, sometimes writing these stories that matter to you, these what I call the golden chick stories, you know, the stories that come mm. and then they keep pecking you and they yeah. keep wanting to be told. Yeah. But those stories are the difficult ones. Those are the fragile ones because everybody just wants to destroy them. <laughs>
2: it's, yeah, it's a very vulnerable thing. After my first premiere at Silver Festival, I just went to my room afterwards because it's funny. you don't want, You want people to say well done and, and love it, but then you also don't want to want it. You don't want to, you go out and then you look at people and you want them to say amazing, but I hate that feeling of needing approval from people. So I just go to my room and...
1: In terms of the actual kind of physical rewriting process, you rewrote it with the writer of the book? Is no, that right?
2: my, my wife.
1: Okay. What was that? How long did that process take? And what did you do? I mean, I know, like, for example, the Coen brothers, I mean, they read it No Country for Old Men. The mm-hmm. one read the book and the other one literally wrote what was in the book. What was the physical process of rewriting it? What did it look like?
2: It helps to write with my wife. She's also a director and a writer. I wrote the book. I was connected to the story. She didn't read the book at all. I think even till today she hasn't read the book. So that helped giving a a Mm -hmm. big perspective. She was also used to that whole hostile lifestyle that is almost like an orphanage, all these girls living together in one room. So she's put a lot of experiences to that, the female version of that, because I was, I mean, I'm a suburban kid, used to big families, but Mm -hmm. not living in rooms of a lot of people. So that helped a hell of a that lot. That
1: explains a lot, because when I, when I saw even the trailer, I was like, this has <laughs> stuff, the, the hostel stuff, mm. seemed to be drawn from life, from yes. life experience. Yeah. So
2: it was drawn from your wife's memory well. Basically. Yes, exactly. So that was an amazing collaboration. It's funny, we don't sit and brainstorm together. We can't actually, because then we start fighting, we can't verbally talk about stuff. But I write, and then I hand it over, and then she writes, and then she hands it over. And it's actually the best way to do it. And then we'll email feedback or things like that. But it's, it is a process. It took me two years. If we work together like that, there's always going to be one person that's going to drive it. So with this one, I was the driver of the story. Mm. And with Turbo's the movie she did now, she was the driver. Okay. But she did a lot more work. <laughs> I, I was trying to get into it, but it was also, again, her specific voice that needs to come out. Yeah and that's always important in certain films for a writer or director to look after their own voice and the other ones just to support it.
1: Yeah, as you were talking now I was thinking about the voice and just even looking at the trailer
2: I can see the look. Your voice comes through very strongly in this film do you think? (laughs) It's funny because I'm used to doing a lot of romantic comedies and romances and for me it's not really romances it's about growing up Mm. always it was always going to be that and I almost tried something new I love cooking and making food and I never (laughs) wanted to recreate the same thing (laughs) because I get bored or always try and push myself and take risks Mm. and this was a whole different risk taking and avenue that I've never experienced so yeah I think I'm still finding my voice Mm. I love certain movies like uh, *Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and Strictly Ballroom and all those old Australian <laughs> films The Castle and Wedding*. So mm. I love that little bit of kitschness mm. but I couldn't use that <laughs> so I had to look at, at different directors and I never wanted to manipulate the audience to feel an emotion and I've seen Lynn Ramsey's mm. film Catching that inspired me to do this. So it was a thing about how am I going to tell a story that I really don't know that much about. Mm. But then I also realized that I'm not going to force the audience to feel a certain emotion with my medium. I'll let five people sit in the cinema and five people experience different type of emotion. So I wanted to do that. That's brave. For this film. That's brave. The big bravery is that you also have to rely on your actors as well. And I casted 5,000 kids to get to this cost of this film so again you have to rely on your cost Mm -hmm. and your blocking quite a lot but it wasn't going to be that I hate movies and that was my pet hate for a few years that I watch it and I feel brainwashed I feel like I've been forced to cry when I don't really feel like crying (laughs) you play the right music I'm forced to suddenly fall in love with a character Mm or two characters and feel when it's it's superficial. I looked into that quite a lot with how we're going to approach cinematography-wise. And also grading. I didn't want to crush it and make it feel like this hardcore movie. And then again, I manipulate the audience.
0: I've noticed that you've stuck with coming-of-age dramas, obviously the comedy and romance, the elements of that in most of your films. Yes. Hitchcock was very preoccupied with this whole idea of a man on the run. He was locked in a jail cell by his father to teach him a lesson, and that really influenced Mm. his trajectory as a filmmaker because he had a fear of the police, and this whole man on the run thing became like this sub-narrative for his entire film career. Do you agree with the idea that a filmmaker has basically one story that gets extrapolated in a whole lot of different
2: films i do i think it's we all have a story to tell and we've i don't think we'll ever tell the perfect story but we all have one story to tell and we just have to go on the journey to discover it and Mm -hmm. then keep on refining it and making it better and for me it is a lot to do with my childhood growing up in a big family realizing who you are discovering your strengths all that stuff school the first time I wrote was from right to left, and people kind of sent me around school. And I thought it was because my work is amazing, but they sent me around to laugh at me. So there's a lot of mm. things about I want to. I felt a little bit done in when I was a kid. And I, that's why I love stories about people growing up and discovering the strength in that way.
1: Yeah, well, that's amazing. I think you really, this is kind of why I got you in here, Corne, because I know a bit of your story. And I've seen um, even in Hollywood and my haste, this comes across the sim- similar theme. Hey, I mean, so this is another feature that Corne did that also seems to deal with similar stuff. Does it come from a similar place? Yeah.
2: The big theme was that we have a lot of dreams. And sometimes those dreams will make effect that you, you forget about the people that really matters. <laughs> so you chase your dream so heavily. You know, in school, I was, wanted to be a skateboarder. And after it I wanted to be a filmmaker. But you kind of forget about the people that really matter because you keep on chasing this dream. So that was my whole f- discovery of filmmaking later on getting married. And I only made Hollywood Maze once I got married. Amazing. And then it all started making sense because I keep on writing that form for 10 years. Every year I wrote a draft and wrote a draft and suddenly it just kicked into place. So that's why I believe that you write a story and that you just have to keep on believing that in something and somewhere your life will catch up to that story <laughs> or your or your experience because keep the story relevant. I think it's some year it's going to start becoming relevant to you.
0: Yeah. I suppose you need to, as a filmmaker, really resonate with your own story first before you can even start thinking about getting other yeah, people Yeah, it's to
2: weird because Hollywood Mice I wrote for 10 years. So every year I had to rewrite it to try and personally connect to it. And there was like three years I just, I don't want to tell a story about a teenage girl going to the magic dance anymore. It's not me. It's not rock and roll. It's not cool <laughs> enough. I, I, I want to move on with my life. You want to do hitting golf balls yeah, all the way uh, to Joe? or whatever exactly remember that story yeah. exactly. so there's there's a lot of other things you write and then you come back to the story and then somewhere in your life you find that relevance again
1: it's interesting though because i mean we are going quite deep here but it's about resonance to something that's happened in your past right so there's this childhood experience that you've had and i mean there's a, almost a nostalgia in that or a working through that mm. issue through your films do you think
2: that's true it's funny thinking about your issues when, when you were younger now and thinking about my filmmaking. But it is true. A chef once said to me, you know, the reason why he cooked is because he was never fed when he was young by his mother. So now he creates because that was something that wasn't done right to him when he was young. Wow. And filmmaking just for me came in a very strange spiritual way. I was studying Bcom, Agricultural Economics, and... A lot of other things, but I was never ever in any creative thing because I was dyslexic. So I couldn't write and I didn't really read. And then some day, you know, I haven't really gone to church like in five years and I just decided, I'm, I don't know what to do. How, how many tests I've done to try and see what I need to mm. do with my life. Mm. And I just prayed that one night and the next morning I woke up and I said I want to do film. And we haven't even had a VHS player in ours, house. And the only film I watched was Titanic. So I don't know where this thing about filmmaking comes it it feels to me it was given to me in some way and I have to figure it out why am I doing this because this is the only thing I haven't really bailed out on (laughs) that I've done (laughs) Um, I've, I've kept going for like 25 years now and it's like I've never wanted to do anything else
0: Maybe the story really is about finding your true calling, that seed, that kernel of life within you that you need to embrace.
1: Yes. I'm gobsmacked with you saying this now because since I've known you, you just seem to be the quintessential formmaker. And to hear that you didn't think about formmaking as a path for you is just amazing to me I'm, I'm really wow
2: I don't know what to say we made skateboard videos but the camera can only be where you can plug it in so, that's, <laughs> so we, our skateboard videos was only on the Stoop <laughs> <laughs> <It's> the <only laughs> I
1: love that we should do that Stoop skateboarding yeah. it should be like a South African version yeah, well, yeah. that's very cool I love it yeah. so you wanted to be a skateboarder and then became a filmmaker unbelievable yeah. so I mean yeah I just feel like we've gone so deep I don't even know what else to say I'm really gobsmacked I'm just like wow it's like a spiritual experience Part of this podcast is to inspire writers who are stuck creatively, You know, where they feel limited, like they can't write. They've either got writer's block or they just don't feel that their story is important enough. Mm. So something I like asking everyone on the show is, what advice would you give to writers who are stuck or potential writers who want to tell a story but just feel they can't?
2: I mean, I'm going through it now it's in a, and I go through it every year. So it's a, a process. The only advice is that it happens It is part of the process. You have to just get through it. If someone gives me advice to get out of it, I don't want to listen. You'll find a way to get out of it, but it is part of the process. I don't believe you can create without feeling extremely low and vulnerable and feel like you're worthless because that is what is part of writing. And if you can get used to that and start listening to that voice of you know that darkness... Then you're going to come up to something amazing. It's like winemaking. The harder the vine struggles, the more amazing the berries is. But not a lot of them, but they're better. So I believe that it isn't wrong. It's actually perfect if that happens to you. Wow. Couldn't agree more. That's, uh, yes. It comes from a duende, from the
1: dark place. It's like a spirit inside you that's suffering. And then the, rah, the it's creativity like comes from that's that. That's why
2: we love Nick Cave and Tom Waits. Totally. Yeah, And yeah. then I create a rom-com. So it's like, I go for all these dark music, like I thought I need to make all these heavy rock and roll movies and hardcore stuff, because that's what I love. Mm. But what I create, and what I love sometimes is in contrast. It's amazing because I think what happens there is is you
1: create something, but the resonance is still in it, and mm. that's amazing. So you create a rom-com, but you've been through this experience of like mm. Duende and death and suffering. Yeah. So it comes out, and so the <laughs> movies, from what I've seen of your work, it still resonates with the audience. Maybe not in the way that you intended, but that feeling is still there.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's really handy for those riders out there that are actually struggling because knowing that it actually is normal and everyone else is kind of going through it, you're not alone. If you don't go
2: through it, it's not going to work. But (laughs) it also
0: just uh, kind of the roots go much deeper in terms of that growth because you actually need to build your character in that time when you do feel worthless and you have to be motivated Mm. and you need to try and build some kind of momentum So I think it's a small victory that eventually, kind of dragging yourself out of that hole. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, you create from yourself, and it's got to be personal, and that helps you to get closer to yourself. Mm. Exactly, that's exactly the idea. Of
1: yeah, Mm. you get closer to yourself the more you write. I find that yeah, yeah, sometimes. So here's another from very deep stuff to kind of a prosaic question: Where do you write physically?
2: Sure, I used to write in the kitchen quite a lot. I mean, it was just a fun communal space, and it felt more creative. But I don't know, because we recently bought a house two years ago, so now I have an office, so that helps. But then I moved during the day to three spaces, the office, then the kitchen, and then the garage. (laughs) It's <laughs> <This is> funny, <laughs> right in those three spaces. That's why you called it Hollywood in my house. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's in every single different
2: room. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but now the garage, where do you sit in the garage? The
2: garage is my music room. Oh. So I, The car's on one side and then there's a piano and a guitar and a vinyl player and all my vinyls and couches and stuff. So it is actually just the music room that I write in. But you're a garage writer. Yeah, it's funny because I never think of myself as a writer. I have to fight it. But I could never write. And I wrote because I wanted to direct. And then if you write your own stories and create, you're also a lot more connected to it and you can actually tell the stories you want to tell. And I don't need to rely on other people to help me to direct. Mm. So writing gives you a hell of a lot of power in the film industry. Suddenly, you're the beginning of the whole process. So for me to cut that process out, you have to learn. If you really want to make movies, learn to write first because then you don't have to rely on anyone else. That makes
1: a lot of sense. And then I just want to you know, as you mentioned the music, I actually do remember Cornet once upon a time
2: when he was a student up on stage playing guitar and singing okay, like yeah, rock and roll. It's yeah? funny. How you're disillusioned. When you're <laughs> young, you think your music is amazing. And then you I found a tape the other day, and it's terrible. No, it was great. No, it's, it was it's, great. It know, maybe it's top. my passion. I, I've sold it by being extremely passionate, convinced everyone that the music I make is amazing. But then when you listen to it without seeing any of that.
1: I think the passion you had was on stage. You had the Duende, you had the Nick Cave, Tom <laughs> Wade stuff going on up there on stage. So do you think that there's a link between writing music or
2: playing music and writing scripts? It started for me with playing drums, Jambe. That's where my creative process started. I was a skater, then I broke both my ligaments my feet and the only creative outlet I could get because I was studying BCom was playing music because my brother played music and there was djembes. so djembes, when you play with your hands actually physical with your hands not with sticks and that opened up the creative door and I believe in drum the healing purpose of people drumming and not those drumming circles yeah, you know i hate God, those drumming no, no, circles no, like long boards i hate They're people terrible. telling me what to do and everyone doing it in a big group <laughs> brainwashing <laughs> but but just playing music and doing those rhythms with the drums was also amazing way of communicating with a different side like me and my brother didn't talk a lot but we played a lot of music together so the only really deep conversation we had was playing drums together wow. so music definitely especially drums because it is feeling the vibration of your hands and it's not the sticks would have opened up the same door sure so do you think I mean this is amazing for me because
1: again it's this thing about resonance and vibrations and connection and so something in Mm. that drum and you you put
2: the drum between your legs and it's the whole body is connected to this drum and you hang it on your body you just Hit it with your hands. Wow. And then I realized, like, hella, I've got some rhythm and started a band with a friend in school. And it all kind of, the whole thing of wanting to maybe make films or entertain came from the moment I started playing the chamber drum.
1: What's next for Courtney van Rooyen? Yo,
2: you know, this is whole year I, I set out to realize, like, to try and figure out what is next. What's the next story I want to tell? We are busy with a drama series for CakeNet. I love stories about family and and growing up so this is almost like a parenthood but local one so that we're busy writing that's a 13 episode of 48 minutes each but the next feature film i'm gonna have to look a little bit deeper still like what is the next story i really want to tell but then we're also sitting with where's the money going to come from Mm. because that's the biggest thing our movies plummeted this Mm. year and last year Mm. it's insane so so do we tell movies that's going to make money and then I have to really find what is that story. Hollywood mice was that. It's, I knew there was going to be a market and I really wanted to tell the story. There was mm. something I connected mm. deeply. So I want to find the story that people will fund and a story that I really want to tell. At the end of the day, maybe I must just pick one and write.
1: I think just keep <laughs> playing the jamber drum and see what
2: happens. I'm going to play the drum, yeah.
1: Okay, so before we go, I've got some uh, little gift here that I want to give you. Yay. This is a tradition on uh, the Three Wells podcast. I smell the cheese. <laughs> yeah, no, you noticed
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I smell the
1: cheese. <laughs> this is a cheese ball. It's, nice. a, it's a pepper cheese ball. Made by this Thanks. amazing local cheesemaker, and uh, is, yeah, you just scrape it over your pasta or whatever. Beautiful. It's Beautiful, almost like, like I said.
2: I love cooking, and this is my creative outlet. So I'm going to cook a little bit more, <laughs> and then I'll find the movie. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening. We have more great guests lined up, so be sure to check in for the next Three Wells podcast. And remember to subscribe for our updates.